It's bad ink jam, but not as we know it. This is bad. Welcome to the Bashcast, brought to you by BookieBashing.net. This is Big, looking at next week's opportunities and the last month's worth of profits. This is Bashcast number 144. Sir, this is a Wendy's. It is 25 minutes to 5 on Thursday the 22nd of August 2019. Coming up in tonight's Bashcast. Look at the beginning of the football season. It's back. The season is back. We discuss... Double Delight Hattrick Heaven in the real world and virtual doubles in the cartoon world. Um, after the break, Courtsiding gets a platform on BBC's Panorama and a Skybet concessionary boost lands them in hot water. All of that and more coming up in the afternoon's Bashcast. Um, so the season is back. The football season is back, and that is good news. The African Nations Cup of Unders and the Women's World Cup are, are now behind us. Not that they were bad, not that we weren't making some money on it, but it, it, it is occasionally a little bit easier making money. Not necessarily when there are more efficient markets around, because efficient markets have been shaped within an inch of their life by smarter people than you or I, but um, more volume of markets, I think, um, allows for more opportunity. Um and so we begin this podcast. We're going to have a look at um, some Double Delight Hat Trick Heaven. Now, Double Delight Hat Trick Heaven uh, is something that we've been doing for years, but the strategy and what we're aiming at has definitely changed um, since back in the day. So, I mean, really far back, back in the day, as far as I can remember, Advantage Play. We're talking about, you know. Back when Mark Wahlberg was Marky Mark. Back when Mark Wahlberg was Marky Mark. This is how we used to make the party start. We used to mix in with Bacardi Dark. And when it kicks in, you can hardly talk. About a so this is an offer that has been going on for longer than I can remember. Um, it's come a full 360. It's where if you bet on the first goal scorer, they get a second goal in the game. You get double odds, triple odds for uh, then a hat-trick after that at Betfred. And it used to try and read the um, markets and the lineups and figure out what was a good price that way. Up until about 2011, 2012, and then you realise the benefit in using the first goal scorer market on the exchange because you could significantly increase the amount of stakes that you were getting down when you were hedging bets at the prices that they were offering back then, all the way through to about 2014, 2015. In fact, around 2014, they started boosting uh, a striker in every game. And um, one example we have up on the site, Samuel Eto'o was 8-1 to for Chelsea to score his first goal against Manchester United in February 2014. Um, his lay was 9.2, and that 9, 9.2 wasn't a rarity. That was very common. Um, so we stick 200 quid in him at 8-1, to and then you uh, lay him for... 
um, whatever the lay is on a nine to back, 9.2 to lay. Uh, he scored the first goal. He then got a second goal. Um, and Betfred doubled the odds to 16 to 1, and that's £1,600 profit. He then got a hat trick, and um, that was £3,200 minus the hedging amount, which was 12 quid. So £3,188. Not to be sniffed at. If I remember clearly, I then went over and saw Fun Loving Criminals at the Wolverhampton Civic Hall that evening. And I bought everybody at the bar a drink, and there were way too many people at the bar for that to be a sensible decision. Anyway. Like all good things, what happened with Double Delight Hat Trick Heaven is everybody seemed to cotton on to it. And when everybody started smashing it, um, I give Betfred some credit. They could have pulled it, but they didn't. Instead, they probably did the sensible decision, and that was um, to offer much worse odds and to make it a lot more difficult. No longer were they boosting a striker every match, which was just dumb anyway. <laughs> I mean, great for us, but just dumb. So then the strategy seemed to become um, uh, wait around for team news and snipe them off uh, when uh, a striker steamed in, which generally is still kind of a legitimate strategy. But what happens is Fred definitely cuts online very quickly and then uh, start as now like cuts in shop very shortly afterwards. Um, not immediately afterwards. So if cut online, there's still an opportunity to get on in shop, but. There's still going to be, you know, Guero uh, or Ronaldo or a prominent striker in a game. Um, when, when their price steams in, it's no longer as easy just to snipe them off on the steam. So the easier strategy now um, is to aim for games where there's not going to be that much liquidity on the exchanges uh, and try and figure it out without the power of the exchanges. And it's still very possible to do that. In fact, um, let's have a look at what games are coming up. So I'm going to go to my bookmarked list of Double Delight Hatrick Heaven for this weekend. And um, before you would be looking out for your Portugal's, your Real Madrid's, your Manchester City's, your game in which um, you know that there's going to be a focal striker getting a few goals. Well, this weekend... It's a different strategy now. So you've got Villa, Everton. You've got Norwich, Chelsea on Saturday. Derby, West Brom and Liverpool, Arsenal. On Sunday, you've got Swansea, Birmingham and Bournemouth, Man City. And Bournemouth, Man City would ordinarily be the game that you would target. But I promise you this, there's going to be way too many eyes on it. And that market is going to be shaped and the, the um, traders are going to be trigger happy. Here's the game to keep your eyes out on. Monday, the 26th of August, Solihull Moors versus Eastleigh. That's the game because um, there will be opportunities there with strikers that, you know, there's not going to be a lay market. People aren't going to be aware of it. There's not going to be a weight of money. And so there are going to be fewer clues for the traders as to what to do. So the game becomes like for us, can we beat the traders when, they do, when they're blindsided but without an exchange market to deal with and they don't have weight of money? Right. So here is a story. It's a story of Tuesdays through August. Um, Tuesday, the 6th of August, 2019, EFL Cup. Portsmouth are playing Birmingham City. You never know how many kids are going to start for this game. As it transpired, um, Portsmouth did rest the majority of their squad, but Ellis Harrison had an opportunity to start up front by himself as a focal striker. Um, this team news was discussed during the day in various sources. Uh, some bookmakers started cutting their price, and this is a really good way of uh, benchmarking whether something... Um, um, could be value when you start seeing that a range of bookmakers are shortening their odds. It got to the point where but, uh, Betfred were 13-2 to two on Harrison to score the first game uh, goal of that game. Um, so if uh, Betfred are top price on a focal striker, especially at 13-2, to two, that's definitely going to be... Uh, worth our attention i think if you could just write some logic rules you're like is the striker a focal point on his own um is fred top price then blindly back that player for double delight hat trick heaven well he got a goal in the 30th minute and a goal in the 54th minute of the game 
So not only did he get his 13 to 1, uh, 13 to 2, he's then paid out at 13 to 1, had an opportunity for a hat trick, but was substituted in the 78th minute somewhat frustratingly. But um, that was the first one of the season. So that was good. The next week, again, Tuesday, the 13th of August 2019, again in the EFL Cup. Salford City versus Leeds United. So um, Leeds United have this uh, new striker who is on loan from Arsenal, Nuktea. And um, uh, he was, again, team news was abounding during the day that not only was he going to start the match, but he was going to be a focal point. He started the day... 5 to 1, 11 to 2, and then you saw his price being shortened until 9 to 2 was the top price. That was the top price that Fred was. Again, it's exactly the same logic that we're using here. Um, We have a guy who is kind of making an unexpected start because it's his debut and he's on loan. Um, He's good enough to play for Arsenal. He's he's on loan with Leeds United playing against Salford City in a Tuesday night in the Cup. So he's got everything to sort of prove himself. 9-2, Fred's top price. It's a no-brainer. Um, and he scores the first goal for Leeds United in 43rd minute. That wasn't the only story of the game. He had about 15 chances to get both doubles of light and hat-trick heaven there. Didn't get him. But um, the same strategy served as well on both occasions there, right? So the strategy is looking at games where, um, where there is no exchange market. That seems now to be easiest. I'm not saying that games with an exchange market... Uh, are going to be impossible. I'm not saying that Manchester City versus Chelsea on a Saturday night is going to be impossible. It's just going to be much harder. I think Aguero did come in four to back, 4.4 to late. And if you were eagle-eyed and quite sharp, you could have got that. But those are going to be rarities over the season. I actually think it's easier to look for where we don't have an exchange market. Um, it's certainly more fun not laying as well because then you get the benefit of profit when your player scores first and doesn't get a second goal. As Nketiah, N-K-E-T-I-A-H, Nketiah did for Leeds United. So that was two out of two. And that brings us to the third Tuesday of August. Not the EFL Cup this week. It was midweek championship. And... We were looking at Hull versus Blackburn Rovers. A little bit more difficult. There was a uh, first goal scorer market up for this. This was the Sky Sports um, football match of the six or seven championship games that were on on Tuesday night. Um, but it is championship. There was not much liquidity around. You were seeing back prices with no lays and the back prices only had 10, 20 quid sitting in them. Right, So... Jared Bowen for Hull was 4-1. to one. Uh, He had money at 6.2 to back on the exchange. Now, 4 to back for Double Delight, Hadrick Heaven, 6.2 if it was to lay. Um, isn't, I'm not jumping out of bed for that. Um, depending on the circumstances, it could be positive, negative, or neutral equity. Neutral EV. A lot of people say, I will take a one-point gap for Double Delight Hatrick Heaven. Well, that is such a nonsense sweeping statement, you know? If you saw a player who was 14 to 1, 15.0 to back and 16 to lay, that what a fantastic match that is. That's like you know, you you that's like a 94% match. Um Think of it like this. You're getting probability of uh, 6.6% over something that happens 6.3% of the time. Sounds good to me. But then if you've got a guy who's 2 to 1, 3.0 in decimal, and he's 4 to lay, well, now you're getting probability of something that will happen 25% of the time, and you're just being offered 33%. You know, that doesn't sound as enticing at all. So that's like a 75% match. So it, firstly, it depends on the magnitude of the odds. 
what the gap should be. Secondly, it depends on the setup. You know, a focal striker is much more valuable than Liverpool or Arsenal who can play three across the pitch and there are just options. And if someone's going to score one, he's not necessarily going to get a second. Uh, how dominant the team is, what the XG is of the of the, the expected goals are in the game and all this different range of things. So if you were to employ, I am blindly going to take any player who is one point... Um, difference between the back and the lay i don't think you would lose money over time i don't necessarily think you would make a lot of money over time i think you're just having a little bit of fun at neutral ev and you'll probably lose as much as you win with like small big winning periods and long losing periods saying all of that um it is much better to employ a strategy where you're trying to gauge what's going on in various different uh, markets, especially the exchange market, if there is one. One of the things about the exchange market is you've got to realise how lopsided a lot of the exchanges are in illiquid markets, and there are a lot of hedges in there. And if um, you, it very easily, um, Nick, um, Jared Bowen could have been... A realistic exchange price of 5.6, somebody sitting at 5.7 with 20 quid, somebody sitting at 5.8 with 20 quid, someone sitting at 5.9 with 30 quid, someone jumps him at 6.0 because they like the one point gap with 50 quid, someone jumps the 6.0 guy because they just don't care, they need to have their money hedged and they're sitting at 6.2 with 20 quid. And the fact that he's got 20 quid sitting at 6.2 is indicative of literally the square root of fuck all. What we're looking for is trying to figure out the dynamics of the market and the prices available around a wide range of bookmakers, any concessions, any boosts that are going on. And most importantly, we're looking for liquidity. And if people are sitting around in prices with 10 or 20 or 30 quid, I'm not, it, it, it doesn't tell us anything. In fact, if anything, it could be telling us a false story. So if you tell me, you know, there's a great, there's a great match here. The guy is four to back and 4.8 to lay. And then I look and there's almost nothing at 4.8, 4.9, 5.0, then whatever. People could be leapfrogging. It's not information to dismiss completely, but it, it, it it's almost like, you know, making a jigsaw and you've only got one-tenth of the pieces and you put together those tenth of the pieces and you say, right, that's it, that's good for me, I'm done. Yeah, there's a lot more to the puzzle than that. So um, that, that was the first part, this um, this whole city striker, Jared Bowen, who incidentally before this match had scored two first goals in his previous two scots, like first goals of the game. So that's good news, right? The bigger story that was going on this day, because, you know, I, I was sort of basing that being approximate value on his recent form and the strength of the relative Hull teams against the Blackburn teams, but it wasn't massive. Hull weren't massive favourites against um, Blackburn, unlike Leeds versus Salford the week before, where if the striker got one, he had a very good chance of getting a second one. The other thing going on in that match is that the work experience kid was back at William Hill doing the offers in the morning. Uh, today's great sports offer one in shop over 35 goals in the first half in tonight's english championship league one league two and champions league matches four to one so that was uh 31 games and in those 31 games you're going to get an average there's an average of about 1.1 to 1.3 goals in the first half of every game uh, the predicted number sits between 0.9 and mostly 1.2, 1.3, sometimes up to 1.4, 1.5 for sort of freak games where a lot of goals are expected. So 35 goals was about what was predicted and they were looking at over 35 goals at 4-1. to one. That was a 5 to back. Well, the first number I came up with was 2.48 for fair odds, but that did include the Bolton match, which was postponed. But even taking the Bolton match out of it, we were getting 5 to back and 3.2 to be fair odds. And um, 
Also, you could get, if you're lucky, you can get £500 in that. If you're unlucky, well, you just have to have a lot of friends who go into different William Hills, or you just drive to as many William Hills as until you reach your upper limit. But if you've got good logistical planning, there's no reason why you shouldn't be hitting your upper liability limit on a, on a match like this. And incidentally, when it's five to back and 3.2 to lay, you should be hitting your upper liability because opportunities like that don't come around every day. Well, this opportunity, if you waited until 10 o'clock, then got boosted to 6 to 1 in the 50% morning boosts that go on in William Hill. So not only do we have a 5 to back and a 3.2 fair odds, we've got 7 to back and 3.2 fair odds. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? They're saying this thing has a 16% chance and we're saying it has a 33% chance. It's almost double the the price imagine like putting your money down on hundred pounds on a share and then that evening on average your money doubles that's exactly what's happening here so uh, we wanted over thirty five goals on what was for most people probably a maxed out um, stake and um, we had thirty one games to do this in the championship. League 1, League 2, and Champions League. So over 35, meaning we needed 36. And of course, as seems to happen more often than it should do, and I'm sure this is gambler's fallacy, but it does seem to happen an extreme amount of time, there were exactly 35 goals in the first half of Tuesday evening's English Championship, League 1, League 2, Champions League matches in leading up to halftime that was until Jared Bowen was taken down in the box and Hull City were awarded a penalty Blackburn Rovers were stretched Bradley Johnson committed himself it's Bowen and Wilton gets to it to his left, got two big hands on that. Oh, come on! Come on! Not only ruining Double Delight, Hattrick Heaven for us, uh, he was 4-1 to one to get the first goal in that match. It also means that the enormous 4-1 um, to one if you're on the ordinary price, 6-1 to one boost for over 36 goals did not come in, or over 35 goals did not come in at William Hill because... Um, there were exactly 35 goals in the game. I might be playing a little bit fast and loose with the temporal arrangement of the order of all of these events, but that is going to do nothing to prevent Jared Bowen from being a very, very early villain of the season. And it should be interesting who could possibly cause me enough pain to overtake him. But you are... It's so, uh, it's so thin. Fred's uh, virtual doubles have long been an exploitable uh, advantage play strategy. In fact, um, if you have a Google around, you will see that uh, some people with rather high levels of sophistication or arrangement do end up getting banned just going um, shop to shop, uh, exclusively betting on these virtual doubles. It doesn't take a genius to do it. Uh, it's not the most complicated betting strategy in the world. Here is my strategy for you. Uh, go to Betfred. If you see him doing a virtual double, bet on it. There you go. That's as complicated as it gets. So um, I think there's enough people doing this that if you do it and you do nothing else, you exclusively do it, you're probably going to find that your business is not welcome anymore. But if you are friends with the staff, you're a little bit more savvy, you're a little bit more clever, um, you are betting on other things that certainly look muggy, then they will take a bet on the virtual double of the day on cartoon horses and they'll take it up to £100 so why not do it one thing we haven't been able to do until now well two things is one we didn't have um, a regular scope of information over these 
uh, virtual doubles. But as the community has grown in uh, buggy bashing, the regularity of um, the intelligence of what is happening in store has increased. And now we're at a point where we can sort of put these up daily when they're announced. Um, um, still haven't got used to the exact time that they're announced, but quarter past nine um, in the morning was this morning. So uh, perhaps, you know, if there is a pattern that could be associated with it. And this morning it was, um, well, they have these virtual horse racing tracks like Steeple Downs and Sprint Valley. And if you walk into a Coral and you walk into a William Hill, they're all kind of betting on Steeple Downs, Sprint Valley and the same subset, um, which must be franchised off from the virtual betting um, big conglomerate that runs these things and you can see the price of every horse in the race and so if you know the price of every horse in the race you can work up out the markup and so there are then two options for assessing value we can just apply that markup equally to each horse so if the overround is 20% and there are 10 horses then we will apply 2% which is about standard. You know, in the Grand National, you're looking at 140%. And some people say, how can they apply 140%? Well, it's because it's 2% per horse and or 1% per horse. You know? Um, if it's a football match, there's only three options for match odds. And you will find 106%. Still the same 2% markup per event. So you can work out the markup of the race by adding together the... Um, probability of each horse the odds that are given by betfred and then subtracting one from that and you get the markup and you can just divide the markup amongst all the runners and add that or you could apply some bias which is you know fave long shot bias um because betfred's um usually boosts the favorite in each race you'll take two horses over the odds of evens maybe even two to one three to one and boost the double up to ten to one twenty to one something like that so it's usually the favorite applying fave long shot bias um would mean that we shorten the markup that we put on the long shots um, sorry, on the favourites, and we increase the markup that we put on the long shots. The theory of that being that but, uh, punters are much more likely to bet more at higher odds than they are shorter odds, which does make sense. You know, you, you, you'll happily stick tenor on at 40 to 1, but how many people will stick £800 on at 1 to 2? It's, it's much harder to do that, even for professional gamblers. So... You could do this, but that does give an optimistic view. So perhaps the way forward for these uh, virtual doubles is to take a pessimistic viewpoint and just apply the markup divided by all of the horses, the average markup in the race, um, and then stick that up in the tracker. Either way, I think what we're going to do is we're going to create a little model that works out both fave long shot bias um, with markup and without fave long shot bias. And I think as long as the double is good using both methods, then we can take the most pessimistic line. We can still know that it's good and we can blindly bet on it. Look, it's not a complicated strategy. It is by no means something that is worthy of um, any more discussion other than if you're in a bet thread over the next infinite days and you see infinite virtual doubles and you bet infinite pounds on those virtual doubles sticking to your staking criteria, then your net profit will be infinite pounds, which will be enough to buy all the cheeseburgers. Uh, okay, guys, shorter first half of the Bashcast this week. I apologize about that, but I'm late for picking up my kids from nursery. I've got to do a runner. You are listening to the Bashcast, and it's brought to you by BookieBashing.net.
Welcome back to the Bashcast. That's um, Archangel by SA from 2017. Which was the B-side to their single Dream Machine. In the bookie bashing news. Being somewhat of a chump. A date chump. I had noticed the, the a change recently with William Hill. Skybet. Those two mainly. A little bit of Betfair Sportsbook, Paddy, stuff like that. Uh, in their personalised bets, their requester bets, their your odds, things like that. So when they started doing these, they mostly focused on uh, goals by half and team goals and things like that. You know, leads to score two or more, leads to score in the first half, both teams to score in the first half, that kind of thing. Then they added corners and cards. Because um, th- they started getting from... You know, there must be a central provider that does statistics on these games. And this central provider is giving out um, expected corners and expected cards by half. I've done some analysis as well. It's not the same. When you break things down by half, different games um, have different lines for the first half. You can't simply say, you know... There's three goals expected in the game. That means there's going to be 1.2 goals in the first half every time. Sometimes it might be 1.3, sometimes 1.4. I find that interesting. I find it interesting what the metric might be that two teams are stronger or more active in the first half than the second half. Anyway, um, so we pushed out to goals, cards and corners then you could throw in a few different, you know, team to win with most cards and most corners, team to win the first half, both teams to score, and over 2.5, which is always a silly one. That All that means is not 1-1. So the probability of both teams to score, subtract the probability of 1-1 from that, and you get that odds. So everything revolves around goals, cards, corners, teams to win. Then we started getting player to score player to be carded and then it went static it sort of stayed there for a year or so maybe 18 months and then i noticed recently maybe a month ago maybe a little bit longer but bookmakers are pushing player to have so many shots on target so many shots off target and assists and these are the new ones it's shots on target shot for a player Shots off target and assists. These are getting harder and harder for us as advantage players to estimate and benchmark lines against. We've made some approaches to some um, organisations to see what we can do about chasing the tail of the bookmaker to see if we can get our hands on some sort of data. But I'm not going to lie, at the moment, um, anything that involves assists and shots on target really can on, is only being benchmarked against very small sample sizes where it's like if Aguero has, you know, boosted to have four shots on target, well, we might be able to pick up his last, last 30 games. And if his last 30 games he's having eight shots on target each game, then I'm taking the 10 to 1 there, right? You know. Go for Celtic. Oh, how's he missed that? At least it's a corner because I'm on corners in this game talking about those kind of bets. So, yeah, on this game I'm on Celtic to have over three three or more corners in each half at 3.1 at Sky and benchmarking that against the spreads. I got 3.03. On that subject, by the way, somebody asked... um, 
can we show um can somebody show lots of profit betting on these personalized bets at bookie bashing no uh the reason is you know if you look at the boosts tracker we've had probably tens of thousands of boosts that have gone up on that and so our sample size is large enough with the personalized bets i could show you a period of time where i had some profit but my sample size and anybody's sample size for bets that I've put up on the tracker are simply too small to be meaningful just now. Um, I could cherry pick the most profitable window um, for me. I could show profit since I'd started putting them up on the site over the summer. But it would be misleading to do both of those things because I'm not comfortable showing you a very small sample size. It's like showing you the golf tracker and saying, look, it works. Right, and then showing you a graph of 14 weeks. Just because I'm in profit in 14 weeks doesn't mean that it works. The, the more important thing should be the logic behind it. And the logic behind the personalized bets is, look, the spreads uh, offer you, just like the exchanges, the ability to bet on both sides. You can buy and sell. Okay? Uh, so that means that they offer a pessimistic line on one side and an optimistic line um, on the other. And if we can always beat the optimistic line, which is what we're doing here, sorry, the pessimistic line, if we can always beat the pessimistic line over and over again, then that is as tangible a strategy for making profit as always beating the exchange. And you know what? If you think that always beating the exchange isn't going to show profit in the long run, then you can bet the other side of it if you want and the same thing at the spreads. If you think always beating the spreads isn't going to show profit, then you can bet on the spreads. You see, one of the two has to, has to be true. You Either beating the spreads all the time has to be profitable, or taking the spreads line has to be profitable. One of the two. And the spreads, they wouldn't be offering lines that were plus EV and maintain a business. So that's all we're trying to do. We're just trying to beat them. We're just trying to eradicate any calculation errors and any temporal errors where we say the line is this and then the line drifts can't eliminate them all but it's a long-term game anyway looking at these shots on target and these assists there was a new one from skybet they boosted uh, harry Maguire in an england match or i'm sorry in a manchester united match to ha make two or more tackles Okay, um, and this again is relatively new, and they boosted it to I don't know eight to one, whatever they boosted it to. They obviously boosted it to a higher price than they would ordinarily have, and they stuck it up at the top of the page in a big yellow box so that it was very obvious to everyone. Come and bet at this at eight to one if you think that Harry Maguire is going to get two or more tackles in the game. Um. <clears throat> right excuse me uh, i found it now it was manchester united versus chelsea on sunday the 11th of august um when manchester united beat chelsea 4-0 so um they boosted this and the bet lost and everybody lost it a little bit with sky bet um the first comment is absolute crooks again um, you see Skybet put up, um, does your bet require tackles? Obviously referring to this boost that had lost. Remember that the tackle player must clearly be in possession of the ball before the tackle is made. If he isn't in possession when the defender wins possession, it would be an interception. Um, and someone posts a video and a Chelsea player, I'm not sure who, clearly has the ball. Uh, one touch, two touch, three touch, four touch, five touch. Then Harry Maguire sticks a foot out and takes the ball off him. So the tackle player must clearly be in possession. He had five touches, right? Five touches. Um, if he isn't in possession when the defender wins possession, it would be an interception. So it's not an interception. He had five touches. Um, however, Skybet say that under their rules, they go to Opta, which 
It's the fairest thing that they can do. So Opta, they record all of these statistics and they are independent. A lot of people say they're not independent, but they just are. Let's just not go down the route of, you know, they're in cahoots with the bookmakers. It wouldn't be worth it. It, it simply wouldn't be worth Opta, a multi-million pound company, and Skybet, multi-million pound company, to be in cahoots and to say, you know what, we'll put up a bet, and even though it wins, through some shady interpretation of the definition of a tackle and an assist, we can get out of it and maybe pocket a few tens and thousand pounds. Wouldn't be worth it. Literally wouldn't be worth it. Okay? So there have to be objective rules for the definition of various things, such as tackles and assists and things like that. The, the only thing is, under that definition, this video clearly showed that Harry Maguire made a tackle here. Um, so I have a lot of sympathy. Um, Skybet are deferring and saying, listen, Opta, um, Opta are saying that Harry Maguire didn't make any tackles. Opta obviously don't have to defend any position. Um, on Twitter, they were, did you have your eyes closed when Maguire made the tackles? Skybet say, hi, Natalie. We are sorry to say that Maguire has not made a successful tackle. The tackle player must clearly be in position. They just repeat this over and over again. Um, someone says, I've never seen a tackle bet win. Maguire made several tackles as per the Opta rules crooks. So here's the thing. Calling Skybet crooks doesn't help. It literally doesn't help. You might be venting, but even the venting isn't particularly helpful. At the same time, I have complete sympathy. I'm actually very surprised that Skybet didn't do a kind of justice payment or a, um, you know, Paddy Power would have done. I prob If I was them, I probably would have, would stop doing them now. Um, someone highlighted that the Sky Text even quoted Harry Maguire as making a tackle, which reminds me of the time that um, Rangers were relegated, uh, um, not from the Premiership, but to the third division, um, and there was the court case over a man that had bet on them to be relegated that season. Coral argued in court that they weren't relegated um, because they technically dissolved as a company and a new entity called Rangers FC appeared in the third division. And the lawyer brought up a screenshot from Coral's website, uh, the massive letters that said... Um, Rangers relegated, which is very difficult to argue with. And again, Skybet on their own site, or Sky on their own site, said that Maguire made tackles, and then Skybet said that they made none. The whole thing's a mess. The mess probably comes from Opta's subjective definitions, because I cannot see how, under their own wording, these videos aren't showing Maguire um, making a tackle. One thing I definitely would do if I was a punter though I would simply stop betting on assists and tackles until this was all cleared up if I were a sky bet I would stop offering them um, and generally if I was in this situation I think you've got to you've got to write off the money as fun money that you've lost um, and just remember that if they get away with it this time they're not going to get away with it next time but calling them crooks doesn't help. It really doesn't. By the way, I, I also remember whilst I'm here looking at these comments to Skybet, someone someone added Skybet. They said, um, at Skybet, since when do own goals not count as the first goal? Okay, brilliant. So since ever is <laughs> the answer to that, which we've managed to successfully take advantage of for a no goal scorer for, for time. But this guy... Obviously, this, this this is one of the things that gets me. It's like, it's so easy to read the rules. They do publish the rules, and the rules are, in bookmakers, mostly concise. You know, it's not pages and pages. It's a, a, a few paragraphs for most sports, a little bit more for uh, football, because there are more markets. But it's quite easy to, like, search rules and search first goal scorer. But instead of that, this guy has tweeted Skybet, having not read the rules. But he goes on... I cashed out thinking you'd messed up and I could get my money back. But in reality, if I would have known, I would have let it run and I'd be £300 up. 
<laughs> so this guy has obviously got some sort of accumulator. Um, and his first goal scorer um, bet... There was a cash out involved when there was an own goal and he thought that they'd messed up. Whereas in reality, um, the first goal scorer didn't count and so his bet was still live. Uh, and he's cashed out and the bet has gone on to win. Um, and then he's mad at Skybet for not settling the own goal as an own goal and having the error on their site. It's unbelievable. It's, it's literally unbelievable that he can't even see that this is a problem. And then he complains to Skybet about it. It might be me. I might come across some sort of charlatan here, but I saw someone else post recently. Um, Bet365 have accidentally paid out for me. This is on the Man City game that I didn't watch, but um, it had the um, VAR goal right at the end. So... I think um, whether it was a trigger of two up or something like that, um, uh, Bet365 paid out before the VAR reversed the goal and then VAR reversed the goal and so the outcome changed. And their mechanisms couldn't obviously cope with that and they paid out on a few customers. And some... Some people posted, cannot believe I've done this. Everybody check your accounts at the end of the game. Um, Bet365 paid me out. I withdrew immediately and couldn't believe my eyes when the money hit my bank. It's a new loophole to exploit. Um, So always check your accounts at the end. And then they showed an email from Bet365 saying, look, we know that... We sh- you shouldn't have had this money and your account was in the negative, but as a gesture of goodwill, we put your account back into zero. So he, the guy's like bragging that he's got away with it. This really doesn't pass the smell test for me. It really doesn't pass the smell test. So there's um, almost, I could understand any anyone doing it and keeping stum, right? Um... I don't think I would judge anyone for that. It's the doing it and then bragging about it like you've got away with some new advantage play strategy. So I don't see it like that. You know? I know Denise Coates is the richest businesswoman in the world. I know it's very difficult to have sympathy with Bet365 and their profit line as a corporate um, identity. But... At the end of the day, it doesn't seem to be too different to walking into a shop and seeing the shop teller drop £100 on the floor, picking up the £100, sticking it behind your back, walking out of the shop and then saying to everybody, can you believe I've got away with this? I can't believe that they didn't see me walk out the shop with the £100. You know what I mean? Now, stretch, stretch that. If you're hungry, if it's if you believe that the business is a evil corporate business or whatever, I, I know there are some people that believe that bookmakers are fair game for sort of any kind of um, edge that you might get over them. But um, to me, this one, I, I think it, it it was more the bragging about it than the action of doing it. I believe if you polled the majority of people on the street, the majority of people would say that they would do the same thing, and that's okay, right? Fine. Um, It's just the bit at the end of it where you brag, I've got away with it, and I will try and get away with it again in the future. That just seems morally bankrupt, if you ask me. I don't know. So, said at the start of the program, I was going to review the Panorama program that was recently on and the guy that was caught siding. I don't have a lot here. Here's why I don't have a lot here. Didn't watch it. Not because I'm not interested, but I don't remember the last time I watched anything on the TV that wasn't either sport or something for the kids, like Dumbo or The Greatest Showman. Um, Such as the joys of having two children under the age of four. I don't have the time to do it. But from what I read and what I saw, they highlighted a guy who was court siding. So he somehow or other was getting 
information about a sport event and was able to either get a money on himself or to pass that information on to somebody else to get money on when they already knew either the outcome or that a player had lost a point or, or some sort of edge that he had. And look, you know, I don't have a problem with court siding. I don't particularly want to do it myself in the same way that I'm not that interested in arbitrage. Um, I, it's certainly not long-term, um, a long-term stable solution if everybody was court siding. Then, to be fair, it's not a long-term stable solution if everybody, you know, if 99% of gamblers are value betting like we are. So, I mean, that argument, uh, I use it. I say, I sort of try and have one up over the arbors by saying, if, you know, um, everybody's arbing and it's not good for the industry. But to be fair, if everyone was doing what I was doing, it wouldn't be good for the industry. So I, that argument fails a little bit. So, listen, I wouldn't do it. I don't think it's particularly clever. But the guy's made, I think he was making a lot of money. And good on him for setting up this process where he doesn't have to go and work in the tax department of his local accountancy company earning £35,000 a year as a regional district manager in a grey suit talking to Brian from accounts about his pension scheme and only seeing his children on weekends um, and being the richest miserable guy on the miserable streets driving the big car in the miserable clothes with the miserable wife who's having an affair with his miserable best friend, right? There's too many people out there who are utter slaves to things that they don't like. And if you can use something like court siding to do something different, have a bit of fun, enjoy yourself, perhaps escape that race, then good for you. And if he was American, I think we would celebrate him in the way that they celebrated the um, MIT blackjack counters. who Nobody had done that before. There was a lot of obstacles in the way that they had to overcome. But at the end of the day, they were just using mathematics to take money away from casinos. Well, this guy's just using mathematics and logistical skills to take money away from bookmakers. Yet, every single person I saw, like advantage player, professional gambler, reviewer, whatever, even non-professional gamblers, they were like, fuck this guy. You know, why is he bragging? What's the point of him? Yeah, you know, this negative attitude in the UK, the suspicion of success. I didn't see the programme. I only read other people's um, opinions about the programmes and other opinions of pe- um, other people's opinions about this guy, court siding. I didn't see anyone defending him and saying, fair play, chap, for doing something different. Um, so I want to be the first to say it. I want to be the first UK British man to say, look, even if I wouldn't do court siding myself, and I don't think it's particularly big or clever, the logistics of it are impressive. And well done for not being the next Brian for accounts. So that's all I wanted to say there. It wasn't enough for a full segment. So uh, What's coming up? I'm going to a music festival tomorrow. So I'm missing a week's worth of premiership. This is the last weekend for me, really, until deep into the autumn that I'm missing. So it sort of belts and braces up after this. We have now got the racing tracker, which is going to take the focus point of my next uh, Bashcast. I want to talk about that in depth, about you know the edges that we've got there, the money that can be made using that. We've got the golf chat tracker up to maturity. We've got shop coupons tracker, which um, we said last season we're going to look at new ones. We still are, but with everything we're bringing up to maturity at the same time just now, that's something that's going to happen a little bit through the season. That's not necessarily a bad strategy anyway. We'll let these new value coupons sort of surface a little bit. Um, the early payout tracker could be yesterday's news. You never know because um, Bet365 have now changed the way that they operate so that they offer um, the normal um, odds, which are the best in the market, and they offer odds for two up. And the reason they're doing this is the same thing that you get for um, hotels charging resort fees in America, where they'll charge 10 bucks for a room and $100 for a resort fee. What Bet365 are maintaining is their position at the top of odds checker with their best price and everything. But then if you want to go and bet on two up, you have to take some sucky odds. Does that mean that 
the most valuable offer out there um, uh, could be coming to an end? I don't think so. I certainly think it won't be as lucrative as it was previously. There are some people sit out there that are saying, if two upends, that's me done with advantage play. How dumb is that? Let me tell you something. I mean, I don't do two up. Um, uh, the biggest problem I have with it is I don't have a merry-go-round of Bet365 accounts that I can use to keep keep on doing two up, two up, two up, two up. You know, and I, I have no wish for a merry-go-round of Bet365 accounts. I think I'd rather figure out how to get money on legitimate, legitimately in other ways than that merry-go-round. So... If, I, I don't blame you for doing it if you do do it because it probably is the easiest and most profitable out, uh, offer out there. But don't think it's the be-all and end-all. I do this professionally and I don't do it. So that's all I'm saying there. Um, so, uh, so uh, on top of that, this shop intelligence stuff is just getting better and better and better. As our network uh, grows and the information comes our way. And all of these different things is really positioning ourselves into um, something quite special. There's, mo there's so much money to be made. It's a good thing. I'm trying to not turn this into a big marketing advert. What I'm trying to get across, as I always have done since the beginning of this Bashcast, is what I'm doing and how I'm making money. All right? And if it comes across as an advert, I apologize. I'm just telling you what I'm doing. I'm telling you the tools that I'm using and I'm sharing the information with you. And as always, I've said since the beginning of this, by sharing it with people and talking it through, uh, I just get better myself. And so my advantage play, my gambling improves. I can learn from my mistakes. I can learn new strategies. And overall, knowledge is power. I'm on that bombshell. Whatever it is that you're betting on this weekend, do make sure it's valuable. This is Tom signing out. Mm -hmm.